Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. This is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 31st of May 2013. Newcomers, please help yourself to the website cuttingthroughthematrix.com. You'll go through that and start to understand the system you're born into, because we're all born into one system, a system that really plans the future, directs the present into the future, and it was set up over a 100 years ago by private organizations. Uh, some of them were given, were given royal charters in England, like the Royal Institute of International Affairs, and its counterpart, the CFR, which is really a member of it, actually, for foreign countries. And uh, they run the world, and they have uh, on board all the top media moguls and all the top journalists on television and uh, the paper media, too. And uh, and they are involved in entertainment and, and God knows what else. Pretty well everything that gives you your reality and consumes your time. But it gives you your opinions, it directs your mind, as I say, and prepares you for the changes which they teach you are all inevitable. But actually, they're, they're actually planned that way. So help yourself to the to the website. Remember, too, you bring me to you. I don't bring on advertisers as guests. I could bring on advertisers as guests, I suppose, and get back backing from them, cash backing, and uh, do pretty well that way. But I don't, because then I'd be pestering you all through the, 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 the broadcast to buy this and buy that and so on. But I don't do that. So it's up to you to buy the books and discs at CuttingThroughTheMetries.com And remember, I go through the histories of conology. Conology is a great art because we're conned all the time. And now, of course, they have different names for it, for, for marketing, propaganda, and, uh, and they use neurologists and psychologists and behaviorists, etc., all working for top think tanks in the world. They work for governments, and they, they'll go through. Everything goes through public relations managers, and public relations really today is just the, the new name for propaganda, which is something with a spin on it. It could be some truth. It could be blatant lies as well, and it's up to you to decide what it is. So help yourself to that. As I say, I, I show you the, the tricks from old, the olden times to the present day and how it's done, and how we're brought to all our conclusions, which are really the boss's conclusions, the big man at the shop. And remember, too, you can also, uh, so well over a, a thousand audios for free download where you go through this this uh, information. And also you can uh, you can go into alanwattsentinel.eu and get transcripts in different languages of the talks I've given and all the other sites listed at cuttingthroughthemates.com uh, have audios and transcripts in English. So take your pick. And remember, if you're ordering the books and discs from the U.S. to Canada, you still can use personal checks or international postal money orders, or you can use cash or use PayPal. Cross the world, Western Union, MoneyGram, and PayPal. Straight donations are really welcome because we're going through austerity, which is really inflation and devaluation of our currencies. It's all done on cue because, you see, the big plan now is to bring us into austerity 
And by creating crisis, the big boys always create crisis and then give you the solution, uh, which, of course, is austerity and a post-consumerist society for primarily the Western countries because the big boys themselves have shifted all the big industry and so on to China, as we all know. Everything's made in China today, and these boys have their international corporations set up there, making all the the cheap junk uh, that they send back to us at high prices. So the world is planned, in other words, the future is planned, and they must also train every generation to go along with this plan by the kind of indoctrination you get, even from your parents, then school, and then from the media, and even entertainment. Entertainment's a big, big part of it, because entertainment today is loaded with politically correct updates, and and that's how you get your opinions as well. In fact, it's much, much better to take it from, from entertainment, because your, your firewall is down, basically. You're being entertained, you think, and you soak up all the little little messages they put into your mind that stick there on purpose. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, and everyone's heard, I'm sure, of Agenda 21, and the groups that uh, are formed in the US and Canada are called ICLEI, and that these uh, groups are run by the United Nations, uh, they're funded by your tax money, if you don't notice who they are, they just graft themselves onto your local uh, county board and start deciding where people can build, uh, who should move off the land and so on, all this kind of stuff. They want to end private property and many other things as well. And they use different terms such as smart growth, uh, sustainability and so on and so on. Because you see, too many folk got to know what Agenda 21 is. And in Agenda 21's uh, website, the United Nations, they actually changed it because, because of that reason. They actually said that too. Too many of the people were catching on to what Agenda 1 was all about. And it's agenda for the 21st century, of course. And, uh, and so it's well financed by the big foundations, etc. As I say, plus is subsidized by your tax money. But this article here says Agenda 21, ICLEI update. 138 ICLEI members quit ICLEI in 18 months, it says. And it says that uh, the war on ICLEI and Agenda 21, the one world group of United Nations globalists who want to decide everything you think, do and say is progressing well. In the past 18 months, 138 cities and counties have seen the light and that number will likely grow by 19 more to 157 as laws in Tennessee, Arizona and Alabama go into effect outlawing, outlawing Agenda 21 and the ICLEI in those states. This is sadly 63 new members, new, new, that's new um, counties and so on, have signed up for the stealth anti-property group that uses pretty words like and phrases like smart growth, sustainability, to trick localities into giving up these rights and submitting to Agenda 21 and the will and law of the United Nations. It seems that for every locality, ICLEI tricks into joining, two more look behind the curtain and drop out, which means we're winning the war to keep America free and property rights intact. Now, they give you a list that was compiled uh, from November 23rd, 2010, and a snapshot from the ICLEI website using the Internet's Wayback Machine, and a snapshot of their current member list. So you'll see the ones that have dropped out because there's too many groups now catching on and opposing this thing and demanding that they leave their, their, their councils and so on, and they've got nothing to do with them. I'll put this uh, article up tonight 
it's worth reading because this is a real danger to society. And, uh, and I really do detest the way uh, that these groups from the United Nations just suddenly appear. And, uh, and it's often years before the public even know they exist. But meanwhile, of course, they're sitting on your council boards and they graft themselves on, as I say, and they start to decide uh, on your property rights and so on and so on. Plus taxes as well, on your property taxes too. So it's time everybody got into, into action and kicked them all out. And at least in the U.S. are very active about it. And there's some organizations in Canada too, which are active on them as well, especially in Ontario. And, uh, and they're doing some good work about it as well, trying to spread the word of what's going on. Also too, an article here talks about the Boston bombing suspect, the one they've got still alive and haven't killed yet, is walking, uh, says a mother. I'll put this one up tonight to let you see what their side of it and so on. The guy, we'll never know the truth about this. We'll never get the whole truth as to what's actually happening. And um, it seems to be the way it's just going to go. Many other things are happening too, uh, that uh, even the people who knew this particular suspect, um, one of them was shot, as you well know. Uh, and during interrogation, and uh, during the interrogation, uh, apparently he shot him in the head. Now he'd be in a seat. He might even have been handcuffed. For all we know, we don't know at all. But the fact is, they claim the FBI claimed he got up and and um, and attacked them. Now, if a whole bunch of FBI guys can't get someone who obviously was disarmed uh, sitting in a chair and and handle him without killing him, there's something wrong. So he was killed on purpose. It's an execution, as far as we can see. And one of the guy's fathers has come out with, and it's been in the mainstream media in Britain, at, with, with the photographs of the dead son with the hole in his head, for God's sake, you know, in the crown of his head. That's an execution. Stop with that tonight, too. And that's how things are in this world. We don't get much of a truth at all, you know. We really don't get much of a truth. We're supposed to just take the, the, the silly, silly stories they give us, like the guy tried to break free or attack the men. Now, one armed guy attacking five FBI agents is, is no threat. If they can't handle him, they shouldn't be in the job. So something else went on there. Something else. And apart from that, too, if they had you in that chair, and, there were th- and these guys are taught how to threaten you, especially Muslims and so on. They're taught all the different tricks of what they're going to do to you. You may get up too and be rather nasty, but still, uh, they should be able to handle you regardless. Also, this is a good article on the Bank for International Settlements because most folk don't know what it is. Now, I've mentioned before the big group that got together, the Royal Institute for International Affairs, which is a private organization of elitists, uh, given a royal charter to exist and do their nefarious stuff. These are the guys that Carl Quigley worked for as a the personal historian. He got into their archives, and he said they've been behind all the major wars for a hundred years. In fact, they use wars to get the the nations to their knees, to give up sovereignty, then to amalgamate them into the European Union, as an example. They created the Boer War, in fact, and they made sure that Britain got in on the acts because they claimed that the Dutch had attacked the British settlements and this other way around. Their own people in the Royal Institute of International Affairs were sent over there to attack the Boers. And that's how they got the whole thing going. They even took a reporter from the Times over with them who wrote back fake, fake stories to get the British government involved. And this is what they've done all down through the last hundred-odd years. Now, they run the world, as I say. They run uh, all the elite groups of the world. They make the agenda for the next hundred years and then the hundred years after that constantly, with many things to fulfill. They backed the communist systems. They liked communism. And they were made up primarily at the top of the top bankers of the world, international bankers, as moneylenders to nations I'm talking about. 
And they're still at it today, big, big time. They have groups across the whole planet now, and they put, and Quigley said to themselves, every prime minister and president for the last hundred years, basically, is a, is a member of this organization. On all parties, it doesn't matter if it's left wing, right wing, it's their member. So you're living through an agenda, folks. So forget this democracy stuff. Also, this article, too, is interesting because we know that there's a big crash coming for the banks as planned again because, you see, they haven't got exactly what they want. Now, again, the Royal Institute for International Affairs has set up uh, the, um, the Basel III, as I said, and the Bank for International Settlements has set up the IMF as well, and they said that uh, and these, these blocks will be handled by private central banks, which they'll also set up, which they've done for Europe. And they want to do one for the Americas as well, by the way. Uh, they were the guys behind the NAFTA deal. And in fact, they came on Canadian television in 2005, Council on Foreign Relations, uh, as the Council on Foreign Relations for the first time, not as an advisor to someone or an expert, but as their own group. And they said that, um, that they drafted up the NAFTA deal and all the, all the, the subsequent treaties that have to be signed by presidents and prime ministers of Mexico, US and Canada. And these have been done up to 2010. And they've all to be completely implemented gradually, you see. But they need crisis to make it all happen. Now, Basel III, it says, how the Bank for International Settlements is going to help bring down the global economy. A new set of regulations that most people have never even heard of was developed by an immensely powerful central banking organization that most people do not even know exists. It's going to have a dramatic effect on the global financial system over the next several years. The new set of regulations is known as Basel III. And it was developed by the Bank for International Settlements. The Bank for International Settlements has been called the Central Bank for Central Banks. Quigley himself actually said it was an umbrella, the the group of central banks that dominated over. It says, and it's headquartered in Basel, Switzerland. Um, It says 58 major central banks, including the Federal Reserve of the U.S., belong to the Bank for International Settlements. And the decisions made in Basel often have more of an impact on the direction of the global economy than anything the President of the U.S. or the U.S. Congress are doing. So all you have to do is look back at the last financial crisis to see an example of this. Basel II and Basel 2.5 played a major role in, in precipitating the, suprime, the subprime mortgage meltdown. Now a new set of regulations known as Basel III are being rolled out. The implementation of these new regulations is beginning this year and they'll be completely phased in by 2019. These new regulations dramatically increase capital requirements and significantly restrict the use of leverage. Uh, those certainly sound like good goals. The problem is that the entire global financial system is based on credit at this point, and these new regulations are going to substantially reduce the flow of credit. The only way that, it, that the giant debt bubble that we're all living in can continue to persist is if it continues to expand. By restricting the flow of credit, these new regulations threaten to burst the debt bubble and bring down the entire global economy. And if they do that, it will be on purpose. They're not stupid at the top. So it's not that the current global financial system is sustainable in any means. Anyone would have a brain can see that the global financial system is a pyramid scheme that's designed to collapse. But Basel III may cause it to collapse faster than it might otherwise have been. So it says precisely what is Basel III. The following is a definition from the official website of the Bank for International Settlements. And it says here, Basel III is a comprehensive set of reform measures developed by the Basel Committee on Banking Supervision to strengthen the regulation, supervision, and risk management of the banking sector. 
These measures aim to improve the banking sector's ability to absorb shocks arising from financial and economic stress, whatever the source, improve risk management and governance, and strengthen banks' transparency and disclosures. Now, remember, this is all private. It's a private organization run by the, the private Royal Institute for International Affairs. He said, oh, that looks good at first glance, but when you start looking into the details, you start realizing what it is going to mean for the global financial system. Banks are going to be required to have higher reserve ratios and use less leverage. Banks are going to have to be more careful with their money, which is a good thing, but it's also going to mean that credit will not flow as freely. Unfortunately, the only way for a debt bubble to survive is if it keeps expanding. Anything that restricts the flow of easy money uh, threatens to bring a debt bubble to an end. These new regulations are going to be phased in between 2013 to 19, and you can see a chart. They put a chart on this website too that shows the implementation schedule for the Basel III regulations. I'll put this up tonight too. It's worthwhile going through because these guys run uh, the system of the world, including the value of your currency. Back with more after this. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix talking about the big financial system that's really out of our hands because it's run by private clubs basically across the planet, which all come under one big group. Uh, and as I said, it was set up a hundred years ago, the group that runs it all, that plans the future and make 50 year plans, 75 year plans, 100 year plans to do with uh, takeovers and country amalgamations into uh, trading blocks and all this kind of stuff. And they're behind it all. They draft up the, in fact, they did draft up the charter uh, for, for the amalgamation of Europe, all the European countries. And that was done all done by stealth and lies until they'd all set up. Now, the bank for, is the Bank of England's, Mr. Haldane, his name is, is his worried bail-in rules, which is thieving the depositors' money, stealing them. It won't be enough. So here we go for the next part of it. It says, uh, rules that force a bank's creditors to lose money rather than the taxpayer may be insufficient to address the problem of banks being too big to fail. So they're going to have to steal the money of the, of the depositors and also get bailouts as well, said Andrew Haldane, the Bank of England's Executive Director for Financial Stability, Tuesday. A faithful implementation of the regulatory reform agenda that's been pursued in stages since the financial crisis of 2008 is an absolute necessity, said the Bank of England official at a conference here on the future of the banking sector. He said, however, that such a move is necessary but perhaps not sufficient. The banker said, whereas big bank fails, bail-in is never a soft option. The temptation is always there for governments to reach for the checkbook, referring to when creditors are forced to take losses. He said the temptation to bail out rather than bail in was irresistible. And he said that to get past this problem, authorities need to have set rules that tied their hands and that tougher capital standards for banks should be considered. He referenced a proposal in the U.S. to uh, up the leverage ratio for some banks to 15% rather than the 3% envisaged in international rules known as Basel III. Now, that's the one I just read, and this is the, the next one. So it's already, they're already telling you what they decided at Basel III. So I don't have a magic number. I do think the time is right within Europe to reopen the debate about whether 97% debt financed banks is a suitably proved endpoint, he said. The event was organized by the German Green Party that's bought and paid for as well, like all the other ones. And I'll put this article up too for those who want to go through it and pursue it further. It's well worth understanding what's really going on. 
Because it's a big agenda. It's not just to do with cash. It's to do with changing the way we live, by the way. Uh, bringing in austerity. They must bring in austerity. They've signed all the agreements in the United Nations to bring in a post-consumerist society for the West. And this is all part of it. They have to get it to some, get to there somehow. And they're doing it through the banking system and, uh, and inflation and all the rest of it. Now, we know that governments now only listen to the biggest lobby groups and the most uh, powerful or, or wealthiest lobby groups. And uh, we know that Iran has enemies and so on, and the enemies obviously lobby governments like Canada. Uh, but it says here, the Korean government is backing a digital age conference on the future of Iran that intends to beam the views of dissidents into the country via social media. In other words, this is called soft power at the United Nations when you use these dissident groups. Soft power also sends in dissident groups that are trained, uh, like spies in a sense, and then they're sent over into, to work in universities if possible and agitate from within, hoping that they can overthrow through revolution the people uh, that are in power at the moment. Anyway, this is with Foreign Affairs Minister John Beard kicking it off. And it says the Canadian government is backing the, the Digital Age Conference, etc. And uh, obviously it's putting money into it as well to, to make it all happen. But it says uh, they ratcheted up sanctions against Iran Wednesday, adding 30 individuals and 82 entities to an economic blacklist and banning almost all exports and to and imports from the country. But in a unique move, certain communication tools, they need, see, they need their smartphones. I guess we're buying them all, these smartphones, so they can harass Iran. Uh, won't be covered by the ban, a reflection of an inc- the increasing importance of placing them as a potential tool for regime change. And it says Canada's new sanctions include exemptions for technologies that produce, protect Iranians online and help them break through the regime's curtain of propaganda, so at least announcing the latest round of economic measures. The fine print describes uh, the technologies as equipment, services and software that facilitate secure and widespread communications via information technologies. So cell phones, laptops and secure internet connections helped fuel widespread protests in Iran after the country's last presidential elections in 2009. Since then, the Iranian uh, regime has been slowly tightening control and censorship efforts, which are expected to increase even further ahead of the coming election in June. But at the same time, the international community... Who, who is this international community, by the way? I mean, I mean, what is it? Is it a country or what? What is it? Think about it. You see the terms that they give you all the time, uh, and really, they're amorphous, really, uh, in the international community has been increasing sanctions in response to Iran's nuclear program, which, of course, even uh, the atomic agencies and the rest of us said they've been in there, and there's, there's no sign of any uh, weapons-grade material being made. So it doesn't matter. It's just like Iraq, two weapons of mass destruction that weren't there. Any excuse will do, because it's on the list that the, 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 the neocons set out when Bush was in. It was on the same list in the 90s uh, to be taken out. Iran, was after Syria, was to be taken out. And so it's amazing it's both happening at the same time. Anyway, the restrictions have been... uh, See, you're living through a script is what I'm trying to say here. Uh, The restrictions have been decried by some as having the unintended consequence of cutting off access to the electronic tools needed to fight back against such uh, suppression. Uh, Last month, Samsung announced that it was blocking Iranians from accessing its mobile application store, a move understood as being directly connected to potential penalties for violating international rules. Activists in the U.S. have been calling on their governments to lift its own sanctions on consumer communication tools as well. So everybody's getting involved because apparently democracies can't stand any other system and we have to either use soft power before we use the hard power. 
and they want to flatten Iran anyway. That, that's on the cards. Back with more after this. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back. This is Cutting Through the Matrix, talking about the big system and all the changes that are getting ran through right now. And Senator Rand Paul, it says, is currently on his nationwide and probably running for president tour. He's made the requisite stops in the early election states of Iowa and New Hampshire, quoting the GOP faithful and bringing the figurative freezers full of red meat to throw their way. Demonstrating impressive political savvy, he's also making a habit of making bold statements that set him apart from potential establishment competitors from both sides of the aisle. But it says here that um, in an article published May 19th in the National Interest, uh, he was given some advice by Jacob Heilbrunn, to the, who said that, who apparently is a scion of the libertarian leaning Paul family. Anyway, this, this guy who said, um, given advice, he said, um, and, and as I said, the national internet, inter, interest, it says, a foreign policy journal, uh, the editor Hilbrun suggests that not only Paul uh, put as much distance between himself and those who considered the CFR, Council on Foreign Relations, which is just the American part of the Rollership of International Affairs, and its global policies to do it to be a threat to liberty and U.S. sovereignty, but for good measure he should add CFR President Richard N. Haas as a consiglior. And he said, what he actually said, nothing would signal that Paul intends to be a serious candidate for the presidency uh, more than reaching out to mainstream Republicans such as Haas. Now, can you imagine reaching out to a, a, Haas as a Republican? Haas is a complete globalist, folks, a com- utter globalist. Massive agenda, Council on Foreign Relations. Haas is the antithesis of a neoconservative, it says here. No, he is a neoconservative, folks. It says, and it's neocons who, by and by, dominate the GOP, at least when it comes to setting the terms of debate, where they wield much influence outside the matter of debate, but as one of the avatars of shifting the debate on foreign policy, Paul would do well to broaden his message. Obviously, Paul is not going to abandon his libertarian credo, but it's hardly in conflict with tempering his message for a wider audience. His aim should be to present himself as a mainstream candidate espousing the revival of precepts that were successfully followed by GOP stalwarts such as Dwight Eisenhower, Richard Nixon, Gerald Ford, and George H.W. Bush. So in other words, they want him to join the CFR, so we'll see what happens there. If he does, he's a goner. Also, we've all heard about CISPA, this controversial internet bill to do censorship, etc., and utter powers to the government more than they've ever had before. Controversial internet bill passes out of Texas legislature. They put their own one through. And it says here, uh, House Bill 2268 has passed the Texas legislature. The bill allows the state to seize Texans' private online communications from any internet provider nationwide regardless of where the information is stored. The window provided to hand over this information is between 4 to 30 days. The amendments passed by the House onto the Senate version, SB 1052, of the bill were not adopted. The Senate decided to move forward with the House version, so the amendments were never taken up for a vote in the Senate. The bill now advances to Rick Perry's desk and let him know what you think by calling his office at 512-463-1782. It's quite the bill, actually. I'll put some more articles up on that, too. 
uh, what three or four other ones on, on this uh, text and bill, because it gives them incredible powers uh, to do with all all their internet moves and, and businesses and everything else. It's quite quite something altogether. And also in Canada, we have uh, for our CIA kind of uh, system and FBI, we have something called CSIS, C S I S, they call it. It's the equivalent, you might say. And they work across the world as well, specifically with drugs, etc. I'm sure they're involved in, in the same things as uh, CIA are involved in and work with them as well. Anyway, the former CSIS watchdog boss, the top guy, Arthur Porter, was arrested on fraud charges in another country. He ran off with millions. Anyway, it says, the former head of Canada's spy agency, watchdog, who received prestigious appointments from different levels of government and was nearly honoured with a street in his name, has been arrested abroad on fraud charges. Arthur Porter has been detained by Panamanian authorities along with his wife Pamela several months after Quebec police announced they wanted to charge him in connection with the province's ongoing corruption scandals. The pair's arrest was announced in a statement Monday by Quebec's anti-corruption police watchdog, which said the operation was carried out with the help of the RCMP and Interpol. Extradition proceedings are being undertaken against the two, the statement said. As his Porter became head of the Security Intelligence Review Committee, which monitors the work of CSIS, two years after he was appointed to the watchdog by the Harper government in 2008. Harper has said Porter's, uh, Porter's alleged criminal acts had nothing to do with the work he did for the government of Canada. Well, I wouldn't bet on it. At the same time that Porter held his federal role, he was Director General of the McGill University Health Centre, which is now mired deep in scandals and the subject of multiple criminal charges. He abruptly, abruptly resigned from his federal post in November 2011, ultimately quitting his hospital role as well and leaving the country. Now, by the way, uh, you'll find that CIA, FBI guys and uh, CSIS guys, they run off to different ones in Latin America where they have no extradition treaties. That's why they head off to different ones like that. So the Sierra, Sierra Leone-born porter faces charges of fraud, conspiracy to commit fraud, fraud against the government, breach of trust, laundering the proceeds of crime, and participating in a secret commission. His wife faces charges of laundering criminal proceeds and conspiracy. Porter is one of several people facing fraud-related charges stemming from the construction of the $1.3 billion McGill University Health Centre in Montreal, one of Canada's biggest infrastructure projects set to open 2015. Other charged include the former head of engineering giant SNC Lavalin. Police announced the charges against Porter in February. A month later, McGill University Health Centre said it was cancelling plans to pave an Arthur T. Porter way onto the hospital property. <laughs> Porter had been managing director of a private cancer treatment center in the Bahamas as well, which is an awful scam, by the way. I've known folk who've tried to get there. He told media that he had late four-stage cancer and was too ill to travel to Canada. I don't want want them to think I would be checking out on anything, he told the Associated Press. So if they want to come here, absolutely no problem. The Department of Foreign Affairs issued a statement last Monday saying it was aware of reports that two Canadian citizens were arrested in Panama and that consular officials were ready to provide assistance as required. A department official said further details cannot be released due to privacy concerns. Well, the fact is, as I say, I don't think there's a, a, an extradition treaty with them, uh, with Panama, so that's probably why they're headed there. Also, death by flu shot. Seven-year-old receives the flu vaccine and dies four years later. And it says the report from an independent news source in Vermont relates the story of what happened after Kayleen Martin was taken by her parents for annual physical December 2, 2011. During the physical, uh, Kaylin was given a flu vaccine. Four days later, she was dead. She wasn't even sick when she went to the doctor. 
The State Health Commissioner, Dr. Harry Chen, said he's not convinced that Carol's death was from flu vaccine, citing the very rare incidence of serious reactions to the flu shot and the huge numbers of people who receive them each year. But then he declares that serious reactions to flu vaccines are so rare that death by flu shot has never been reported in Vermont. In other words, that was it. It's been reported in other places, you see. Bingo, there's a problem. Every time a healthy child dies or is seriously injured by vaccine, those who are responsible for determining the cause of death immediately rule out vaccines because they are so safe and serious reactions are so rare. No, they're not. They're just not reported because of people like Dr. Chen, whose job is dependent on the seal of vaccines. And that's true. You got to remember that, too. That's what he does. He ensures that all the people in his state are fully vaccinated. Without vaccines, Dr. Chen would be unemployed. At the very least, he'd be looking for another job. But then, without vaccines, there would be a lot of doctors looking for jobs. So there's a good chance Dr. Chen would be collecting unemployment benefits. He's worried that people will overreact to the girl's death. And so on, he cautions about alarmist reactions to the death of Kilin Matin. He says, excuse me, we're not supposed to be alarmed. Clearly, Dr. Chen has become complacent when it comes to children dropping dead for no apparent reason. Dr. Chen's word that people become alarmed or concerns may lead to the avoiding getting a flu shot. If they start looking into the dangers of flu shots, it's a very slippery slope. And you know how far it goes. Anyway, it goes on and on this article and gives you other... Uh, this is according to the CDC, there are between 3,000 and 49,000 deaths each year in the U.S. due to the flu and influenza. That's, that sure sounds like a lot of people are dying from the flu. Before we become alarmed by these huge numbers, let's see what they mean in terms of the percentage of U.S. citizens. The U.S. Census data includes that the population of the U.S. is somewhere around 300 million, uh, 300 million people, it says here. 304 million fifty nine thousand and seven hundred as of the latest data. That means in a good year fewer deaths from flu. The percentage of US citizens who die from the flu is zero point zero 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 nine eight six percent. Whoa, it says that's a lot of zeros. In translation, this equates to 9.8 less than 10 people for every 1 million citizens in the U.S. Of course, in a very bad year, the numbers are higher. Taking the worst-case scenario, 49,000 deaths, the yearly toll would be uh, 0.0016115% of the U.S. population. This number equates to 1.6 less than 2 deaths per 1,000 people. That's a little bit scarier. However, we have to consider how many of those deaths occur in 7-year-old children. Then it goes on from there, as I say. You have to really go through all their figures too. Mind you, they always give you the scary number of deaths by flu every year. They'll be using the same figure for the last 20 odd years. And it's way, way below that. Who actually get the flu and die from it. But there's more folk now dying from the shot. There you go. Now, getting back to the corporations, they make all these kind of things, the big pharma boys, vaccinations and drugs. It says, did Novartis uh, violate his corporate integrity agreement? Twice this week, the U.S. Department of Justice filed lawsuits alleging Novartis uh, paid kickbacks to boost prescriptions and caused federal health care programs to pay for medicines based on false claims. One complaint seeks damages and civil penalties for corrupting the dispensing process with multi-million dollar incentive programs for the doctors, you see, that targeted doctors. Multi-million dollar incentive programs. The other involves kickbacks in the form of rebates and discounts to at least 220 pharmacies in exchange for switching transplant patients from rival medicines to its myfortic immunosuppressant treatment. 
The allegations of a familiar ring given at the fence have made similar charges against many drug makers over the past decade. Payments and lavish dinners given to doctors, for instance, were purportedly kicked back to speaker and attendees to induce them to prescribe different Novartis meds. However, the Fed says some programs never actually occurred or doctors never spoke about the drugs at issue. Now, this went for the meal, you know, and talked about other things. Some presentations were made on fishing trips off the Florida coast or at a Hooster's restaurant. restaurant. Just imagine the intense focus on a slide presentation under such circumstances. You can read the legal filings in the latest lawsuit, and I'll put the links up tonight for that and that. And Novartis didn't scrimp on the doctors either. The drug maker frequently treated them to expensive dinners hosted at high-end restaurants, according to the feds. For example, a dinner for three included the speaker at a Washington, D.C. restaurant cost $2,016 or $672 per person. Novartis also paid $1,000 honorarium to the speaker for this program. One of the two attendees had attended the same program a short time earlier at another restaurant held on Valentine's Day 2006. Novartis paid $3,127 for a meal for two at a West Des Moines, Iowa restaurant, or $1,042 per person. But as the lawsuit alleges, the return on these indulgences was worth the investment. By the way, they take them off the holidays to the Bahamas and everything else. This is how everything, everything's lobbying, 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 and payoffs, payoffs, payoffs. And then government puts things into law that you've got to take their drugs and take their vaccines and all the rest of it. It's completely, understand our, our system is completely corrupt. And not just in the U.S., it's across the world now. Completely corrupt. It's all the same. And also diet soda rots your teeth. And dentists have always known this, but I'll put an article up tonight about that too. That they've actually proven it. it's got an acidic uh, composition in it that rots the teeth. And it makes them soft. You actually see that when they examine them. But again, it's big, big business, and they won't stop doing it. And in Britain, who they're, where they're really talking about the smart meters, there's pretty much a bit of a resistance there. They know what it's about. I'll put up an, uh, a link today where it's called Don't Smart Meter Me, and you put your name to it and send it to the government. And uh, there's lots of folk already signed up and uh, they're protesting against uh, the smart meters because it's not just a smart meter. This thing, uh, apart from being able to cut you off whenever they want to, and that's what it's about too, by the way, is to come into austerity. Uh, it's also to um, monitor everything that you're doing in your home. Uh, it matches up with chips and put built into different appliances that are all being sold. That's where they want to get these fridges, refrigerators, etc. And, uh, and and it's gone so far and, and crazy that the bureaucrats in the EU Union, this massive uh, Soviet-type system, have decided to tell all and to put an order out to all the vacuum cleaner makers to half the power of their motors. So they can spend five times as much longer, probably using more electricity than ever, trying to vacuum up the same stuff. It was like the ridiculous nonsense when they put out these uh, these water saver toilets, flush toilets, remember? And you have to flush them about five times before everything disappears. It's nuts. And this is bureaucrats for you. Anyway, don't smart meter and mean, apart from the fact, too, it gives people terrible effects with the, the high uh, microwave that comes out of them. It goes on for hours and hours. It'll spread out through your home. And apart from the fact it's a spy in the home, but it can also affect your moods and many other things too. And I always think back to the te- technotronic era that Brzezinski talked about, where he says we now have can cover the whole continent, he says, with uh, with technologies which uh, work on, on frequencies which can affect the brain itself and make either placid, placid, aggressive or whatever. Well, I'm sure this is all networked together with it too. 
It's not far-fetched at all, folks. There's a lot of folk working with this stuff. Read the Persinger reports from Canada. He's a professor who's all for this field. He says we're now all, we're now all basking in a technotronic field. And he thinks it's wonderful, by the way, because we'll all be interconnected mentally. We'll feel the pain of others and all this kind of stuff, he said. No kidding you folks. And of course, Persinger worked with the FBI and the CIA and the military industrial complex. And they may still do that for all I know. Also, uh, we've got some drones are to enter public skies in 2015. Will it be safe? I'm going to put this up tonight too. Because a lot of these things too uh, end up crashing and hitting poles and all the rest of it. Some some of them come down in houses, but never mind that too. That's a bit of a, a distraction. The fact is, really, these things shouldn't be up there spying you in the first place. But it's going to be a big, big business, and lots of people are going to get in on the acts. They already are. This article goes through a lot of them who are, have signed up for courses in it to do private businesses on spying on people. And uh, you, you'll always get these people in your societies, folks. These are the folks, if they were told to join up because there's money in killing folk, they'd do it if the government had authorized it. They're greedy, you see, greedy. Also, this article is pretty good as well. It says, the new crime of eating while homeless, it says, by outlawing dumpster diving. People who, who go to the dumpsters when all the good food's thrown out. It says, Houston is making life impossible for the most vulnerable. In May 26, 2013, Information Clearinghouse says, whenever one of our cities gets a star turn as host to some super spark event such as National Political Gathering or a Super Bowl, its first move is to tidy up by having the police sweep homeless people into jail out of town or under some rug. But Houston's tidy uppers aren't waiting for a world-class event to rationalize going after homeless down-and-outers. They've preemptively outlawed the crime, they made a crime of what they call dumpster diving in the Texan city. And it gives you examples of people who've, um, who've been charged with going and taking the meat that's being thrown out. You see. That's quite something that's happening. It, uh, you really are in a system today where those who are stinking rich at the top, uh, just certainly don't want the poor around. It's, it's gonna, it's unsettling looking at poor folk when you're making so, so much money, generally in unorthodox ways. And you'll find this in every country. Every country. It's like the tent cities around New York where they, when they, the mayor decided to flatten them all and to drive them out somewhere else. They don't give a damn about uh, poor folk. And they're scamming everybody, the ones who do, do all the, the dirty work. Back with more after this. Hi folks, I'm back, cutting through the Mideast, and where we're talking about food for the homeless and so on, I've got another article here to do with uh, with how to close a food, a food bank, basically. It's a good article on, on what's happening. And also one with uh, Cameron, who said that food food banks are part of his great society. They, they factored in that the people would create food banks and wouldn't draw from, from government uh, money assistance to make the food banks, in other words because there'll be so many folk up in poverty with their wonderful austerity uh, program that he's got range for this this big society, he calls it. So it's, he factored that in, and that'll be part of it too. So he, he counted on them uh, arising too. 
Also, fake shops open up ahead of the G8 summit. Now, these things cost multi-millions of dollars, even, even just for security, as the richest folk on the planet end up going, you see. With the globe's most powerful figures descending on their doorstep, bringing with them the tension of the world, it's not surprising the authorities near to next month's G8 summit have tried to spruce the place up a bit. And here's what they've done. So officials have been accused of going too far after they plastered, this is in Ireland, Northern Ireland, they plastered large stickers across boarded up shops in order to give them the appearance of still thriving businesses. So they're like pictures they're putting up on the store windows as though they're still there. And, and to cover up all the, the closed and bankrupt signs, you see. Locals in the area have criticized the move which they say masks the effects of the economic t- downturn and is a waste of resources. The large stickers have been fixed to closed uh, down stores near the, the Loch Erne Resort in County Fermanagh, Northern Ireland, which will host next month's meeting of leaders of eight of the world's richest countries, amongst them Barack Obama, Angela Merkel and Francois Holland. The site was selected by David Cameron as British uh, Britain is the current chairman of the G8, and he said it would be a brilliant advertisement for Northern Ireland. By putting fake stores in, it's a brilliant advertisement, isn't it? Isn't it? Can you imagine? They're, they're, these guys are the biggest con men. That's how they get up there, of course. And they're also picked by the guys who really own them. And these are the guys who finance them into power. And I've done articles on that before, and, and they'll find them in the archive section at cuttingthroughthemedias.com. This is a business in the area have suffered in recent years, leaving many vacant sites which are now being disguised by the local council, all for this meeting. One set of stickers has been fixed to a former butcher's in Belcou on the border between the province and the Republic. I guess the folk can't afford meat now, so the butchers are all shutting down. They show the shop, which traded as Flanagan's until it went out of business about a year ago, still fully stocked with a selection of fresh meat on display. A sticker pasted on a door even shows an open door and an apparently well-adorned interior. It's all fake. So that when they drive past, they'll say, oh, that, that store, it's a nice store. That, it's all just, just fake pictures they put on them. The thing's shut. Then this is Maguire's Bridge uh, nearby. A fake coffee shop has been depicted in another vacant property, while in Garrison, a derelict house has been given the appearance of a much-loved occupied home. So, I mean, I'll put this up tonight too, but I mean, this is the lens they go to to, 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 to fool themselves, because it's not fooling anybody else. See, these guys up there live in a fairyland, folks, because of the stinking money they're raking in as they plunder all of us. And they don't want to, you know, have a downer, a downer time when they're all meeting together for their, their 24 course meals and all the rest of it. And then their night with the prostitutes, which are all bought and paid for, by the way, I've gone over that before too. It's been the major media. The prostitutes, male and female, all ages, by the way, see, they break all the rules for themselves. Uh, and, and we pay for all this. You, you think it was bad with, uh, in Nero's day? It's way worse now. Because we've got thousands of them in support at this level. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.